only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 6 of Funny Like a Clown podcast. I am your host, Dennis Worth. That's episode 6 you're tuned into. It is December 5th, 2018. And uh, we're here to make you laugh. We're here to amuse you. It's a comedy show. And on the phone, I have comedian, actor, known for such uh, television shows as Trapper John M.D., Remington Steel, Newhart, The Jeffersons, MASH, Married with Children, The Wonder Years, Night Court, Knight Rider, Too Close for Comfort, Days for Our Lives, the list goes on and on. We have actor Sandy Helberg. Sandy, welcome to the show. Yeah, if I, if I ever do a movie, I want you on my team. You're a veteran of the veteran, aren't you? <laughs> That's right, yeah. uh, I've done shows where most of the actors are dead. Right, so, well, that was one of my first points I wanted to get to was when I Googled you at first, it came up, but uh, some of the Google sites have you as passed away, and unless I have a phone line to the other side, you're you're very much alive, correct? It was on uh, Google, on one of the Google sites. I don't know. I mean, how, how do you think that got there? Do you think it was one of your friends pulling a joke? or <laughs> just... Yeah, it was probably uh, someone in my family. You don't know how it got there, right? <laughs> You're very much alive, so... Yeah, I would never have buried myself now. Well, you know, Andy Kaufman tried to pull that off. He always wanted to fool the media into thinking he had passed away and come back from the dead. But you pulled it off. You've done it. So... Whether it was yeah, by accident or not. <laughs> That's right. It'll be a while before we see Andy, but um, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. So let's take it back to the beginning. You were born in Frankfurt, Germany, correct? Yes, I was. And your parents were uh, both Holocaust survivors who actually met in a concentration camp. And boy, you could make a movie about that story itself. But what are some of your childhood memories about the Holocaust or dealing with that? With that. What was life like for you in Toledo? <laughs> you out, right? Yeah, you know, so uh, they did let me play baseball. I played uh, home plate. So, um, but, but it was very difficult. There was a lot of anti-Semitism went all the way through high school. So it was an adjustment period uh, for you. Well, from uh, instant to this, you had to grow up my whole life, you know, at least in that part of my life. Uh, 
they used to call me Hitler, which was my nickname because they knew I was born in Germany. And really? They used to, yeah, they used to call the house. My father would answer and they'd ask for Hitler. It made them very unhappy. <laughs> and, uh, uh, like I said, cause the, way, the only way I survived was I wasn't a great student because I didn't care. I wasn't an athlete because I was too small. And somehow I was funny. And that was like a self-defense and a way to attract girls. And my father had a very sarcastic sense of humor, and, and that's where I got it from, I think. So after uh, Toledo, you relocated to New York. I mean, was that part of, do you think that's why you found comedy? Is just as, as an escape from the hate that you had to find some good in this world, that there was something to laugh about? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I did all the variety shows and talent shows, and, uh, uh, you know, and then it began to get some friends from that. But I don't know, I just always wanted to be an actor, even as a kid. It was nowhere in my family, so... Uh, after high school, uh, I went to New York and studied acting. And for me, the big shock, the culture shock, was when I got to New York, there were Jews everywhere. So you I fit right in. Down the street, and there were Jews. And I look, hey, a Jew? Are you? Are you a Jew? I'm a Jew. Look at look at these Jews. So it was a lot more comfortable for you than Toledo, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, it was the antithesis of where I came from, and. Uh, and again, that's where the arts were, and the acting, and uh, doing some stand-up at the beginning. What was that like for you doing stand-up comedy? Were you a hit right off, or was it difficult? No, no, it's, I mean, I don't know. If you're a hit right off, then the next one time you're going to bomb. It's, uh, you know, it was what I wanted to do, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, and so... Uh, after doing stand-up a few times, I got into uh, uh, improvisation. Someone started, put an ad in one of the papers, and they were starting an improvisational group. And I got into it. It was with like four or five other people. And we played the village, and then they all dropped out, and it wound up just being me and my partner, Tony D'Elia, who was a stand-up. And we were doing... Uh, two-man improvisational scenes and sketches all over the village and uptown New York and the clubs. And, so you found a group uh, for yourself. Yeah, one-man group, two-man <laughs> You were performing, of, which, you know, a lot of people don't, but... Absolutely. There was a place in the village, a coffee house, and they had in the back this, like, a little nightclub that they never used and they let us use it. They said, you can have it. And we did shows every night. We would, we were able to get people in. You know, I don't think we charged it anyone. And, right, if you can just get them in the door, that's half the battle, right? Get them in the door. And there was a guy there who lived in that nightclub. His name was Tokyo. He was about a 300-pound Japanese guy, biker, 300-pound Japanese biker. <laughs> and, Nobody messed uh, with him. Right, so he would sleep in there, and we came in one night, and he was sound asleep on the stage. And we figured, well, he'll wake up, you know, you don't want to wake no, don't, 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 don't disturb him, right? <laughs> right, he'll grab you by the throat, and he'll, he'll be dead. He'll go, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, so we set up the things, and uh, we're ready to go, and he's still sleeping. So we thought, you know what, let's just do the entire show with him. With him sleeping. <laughs> How did that work <laughs> out? It was funny. We never mentioned him to the audience like he was part of the set. And we did an entire show around him 
He never woke up during the show? Wow, when people clap, wow. <laughs> Sometimes they weren't sure what to make of it, right? Uh, we didn't acknowledge him, but uh, anyway, so then uh, my partner and I we came out to uh, L.A. And, uh, now, what made you move out to L.A.? What, what, what was what inspired that move? Well, it's like most actors; that's where the work is. I mean, right. New York there was a lot of theater and stuff, and uh, which I liked, but it was a tough uh, group to crack. And, uh, well, L.A. is no easier. L.A. will chew you up and spit you out. I mean, well, how, did, how did things go for you when you hit L.A.? Uh, it wasn't bad. It, uh, it, uh, you know, there was a, a, a I wanted to do television. In New York, actors, it was, they were snobby and they get out of television. So I went and uh, when I uh, first got out here, uh, I, someone told me about this uh, improvisational group. Uh, in Hollywood, and I went, and uh, it, it turned out to be I was one of the original members of the Groundlings. I don't know if you know who they are. What was it again, the Groundlings? Yeah. Groundlings. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff being like people came from out there. Will Ferrell, Phil Hartman, Melissa McCarthy. It was really one of the first, uh, uh, other than like Second City and the committee, it was one of the first bigger uh, improvisational groups. When I joined, uh, it was like five people. So it was a place and to get you ready. Yeah, the director of Gary Austin, and uh, I said, uh, what do I have to do to get into the, to join the group? He said, you have $45. I said, yes. He said, you're in. <laughs> you're in, baby. So, there you go. Uh, that's right. So it was a great place to work out. I loved doing the improvisation. I really thrived, and I stayed there uh, off and on for 10 years and uh, got a lot of work out of it. So that's where it started for me. I started to get work and got an agent. Well, I know there's a lot of actors who give their left arm just to be in one of the you know hit shows that you've been on, and you, you have quite the list. But I know uh, one of your big breaks is uh, working with Mel Brooks. You were in movies such as... High Anxiety, History of the World Part 1, and Spaceballs with him. How, how did that all come about with Mel Brooks? Uh, you know, look, Mel Brooks was my idol. And uh, uh, I had a, a friend, an actor named Jack Riley. I don't know if you know who he is. But, uh, he used to be on the old uh, Bob Newhart show. He played Mr. Carlin, the really kind of disturbed patient. But anyway, he was a friend of Mel's and was in some of Mel's films, and he said, would you like to meet Mel Brooks? And I thought he was kidding. <laughs> yeah! He, yeah, I mean, just like out of nowhere, and he set it up, and I go to Mel's office at Fox, and uh, go into his office, and it's like uh, from, the, from the door, his desk is like a block away. I mean, it's such a big fucking office. And you're nervous and to I begin walk. with, so that's a long-ass walk, right? <laughs> I'm walking and walking and thinking, you know, and he's looking at me, not thinking, he's watching me walk. I can't entertain him while I'm walking. What's he thinking? What's he thinking? Yeah, and I'm sweating, and by the time I sit down, I look like I had just run a marathon. And uh, we started to talk, and... You know, he was just uh, so warm and, and, and open. And uh, Was he as funny off-camera as he is on-camera? Yes, he made me laugh. He was a character. And okay. I thought, okay, here we go. And so I 
started to make him laugh. And I, you know, to me, it was like, I got up and I said, okay, I'm gonna go. He said, where are you going? I said, I've made you laugh. Uh, my life is complete. I can get out of show. What else is there when you make Ida laugh, right? That's right. He said, sit down. And uh, we talked some more and he said, uh, but he never had any auditions. It was just through the talking. And just so through the conversation, said, right? Uh, yeah. He said, yeah, he came in here for a small part. I like you. I'm going to give you a bigger small part. So uh, that was the uh, part in high anxiety. It wasn't a big part, but I got to work with him. You worked with the legend, on, yeah. And, you know, he let me improvise pretty much, you know. And so that's, and then he called me uh, next time he did the movie, a uh, movie which was uh, History of the World. And in that movie, originally, uh, I played Einstein. He played Hitler, and the guy who played Sigmund Freud. And I had like a two and a half hour makeup with the hair and the mustache, the aging stuff. And I had to sing, and I am the worst singer. And uh, <laughs> so he, he uh, filmed, I mean, we didn't, uh, we didn't do the ice skating ourselves. Of course, there were doubles. Right. But they were singing, and it was, it was a nice piece. And then he uh, called me a couple of weeks later and said, you know, he looked at it, he doesn't like it. Uh, He's in it, so he must not really like it. <laughs> He's making the he, call, right? Yeah. Yeah, but he wanted me to uh, uh, be in the movie. So he uh, said they're doing the Last Supper scene, and he wants me to play uh, the uh, apostle. And so I played that, and I was right there at the head of the table when Mel comes in, and he and I have a little conversation, and John Hurt played Jesus. And also the fact that I got to be in a, a last, I, I did a last supper scene, right. a picture. You know, they did the classic last supper picture, and I'm in it. And Mel, of course, is standing there as the waiter. You know, with a big smile. But to work with John Hurt was great. And afterwards, uh, we had like an adjoining dressing room. And so, would you consider uh, Mel? Was he one of the guys who gave you one of your big breaks when you get out there? I mean, did it make it easier to get other roles well, once he you know, let you in? He, with me and at that time it was like you know still peaking and uh yeah it meant a lot but at that point i had already done two of them then he called me for baseball as the the uh of course the jewish plastic surgeon and, and that was well, the all-time classic spaceballs yes yes <laughs> it was a lot of fun well what are some of your favorite memories from spaceballs i mean I know some of the funniest things are off-camera as opposed to on-camera, but I mean, what, what are some of your great memories from that? Well, one of them was, uh, towards the end of the scene, uh, uh, as uh, I was walking out, uh, I said to uh, the Rick Moranis character, I said, I'm going to go home and play with my putts. And I hear Mel laughing behind the camera, and he's yelling, cut, cut, cut. <laughs> and he said, great line. Uh, when, when they put your, their arm around you and want you to walk with them, it's like, uh-oh. So he <laughs> says, come, walk with me, talk with me. He says, that line, you know, I'm going to go all work on my butt. That's a great line. I said, oh, thank you. He said, I'm going to have to give it to Rick Moranis. I said, what? He said, well, and he explained it to me. He said, you know, Rick is the star of the movie. He's the star, not you, right. you got to give him the last line in the scene. Did you give it to him? So... He didn't give it to him. How, how do you say no to Mel Brooks, right? <laughs> well, 
Well, but see, then I said, uh, so you owe me one. She said, yeah, you have any ideas? I said, yeah. I said, what about when the camera blacks out? I don't know if you remember that scene, the camera blacks yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Movies, I don't know. So when it comes back up, I'm in, uh, sort of off to the side. They're making out with, with the, the nurse. With the nurse, yeah. And going at it with her. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and then... Uh, so you came up with that idea? Yeah, of course. Oh, there you go. Now, well, I think I need three to four more times. Let's keep doing this. You know? he <laughs> well, he owed you one, right? So there you go. Right, right. He says, I like, he says, that's enough. Don't be a pig. Says, <laughs> so uh, you're thinking, man, I'm getting paid to do that. I'm getting paid to make out with this beautiful boy. How'd she feel about it? That's right. Well, I gave you a great joke, you know, so you got to give me something back, you know. And they go, slap you, and then I come back. And, uh, but, you know, it just was always... Uh, I, Mel is such a good guy, you know, I've run into him a lot. Uh, so was the nurse okay with the whole thing? Was she, she good doing it? She was. I think it was one of her first jobs. She went uh. out to be, uh, you know, works a lot. Her name is Brenda Strong. She's got uh, quite a, a list of credits. And uh, but look, I think it was her first movie with Mel Brooks, and uh, she knew I knew Mel. And you I do what you're asked to do, right? It's, it's not like me too, like, you know, I wasn't grabbing her ass and sticking like Right, that. right, it was more comical than it was anything like that, yeah, right? Yeah, it was, it was nuzzling and things like that, and, uh, so, yeah, so, like I said, I run into him and talk, and, you know, my kids, and he'd invite me to the set. Uh, when we were doing History of the World, he kept inviting me to the set just to be there. He liked uh, me hanging, or he introduced me to Richard Pryor, who was supposed to be in the movie. Really? So, he, so he, he brings Richard Pryor to the set, and he called me and said, I'm bringing Richard, why don't you come? Uh, he was that kind of guy, you know, so... Oh, the number one comedian of all time, Richard Pryor. He changed comedy. Oh, I, I was in awe of Richard Pryor, so... Yeah. I was like the 10-year-old kid walking behind him and Melanie showing right. him the set, the and things and stuff like that. Because he was going to come in and shoot in a couple of days, and then he burned himself up. Oh, jeez. So, so, so that cost you working with Richard Pryor then, huh? Job. It was, you know, a tough, a tough shoes to fill. Right, right. How do you fill Richard Pryor's shoes? You do the best you can, right? Yeah, make sure they're not burning. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so, you know, he introduced me to all the comics who worked on the movie. He would have me come over and say, today's a good day just to sit and give it to these guys. And it was, you know, Dom DeLuise and Shecky Green and Ron Carey. And, all the legends. You know, whoever he had in the movie. Those are the moments you remember, though. You know, the, the moments off screen are sometimes better than the ones on. Yeah, especially depending on the movie. But, sure. Uh, yeah, I had, you know, I worked with Barbara Streisand. She uh, drove me so crazy that they wound up cutting my scene because. She tough to work with? Pardon me? Is she tough to work with? Uh, for me, it was impossible, but I find out I'm just uh, one of many. She and the director, by this point, were not talking to each other. I had this nice scene with her and Paul McGarry, just the three of us. And so every time the director would give me a certain direction, I'd come in, she'd say, wait, wait, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing what Frank said. She said, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do this. I said, well, okay. You're in the middle now. Look out. 
situation at that point, right? Listen to her sing, right? What a treat. Yeah, she she demands big bucks and you're getting it all for free. Wow. Yeah, things blow over like that in time, right? Yeah. So one of the other things I wanted to touch on, uh you know, among a long list of things, and you have your ups and downs in Hollywood, but you were the uh, original yeoman gopher on the love boat, and then when it became a series, Fred Grandy took over the role, but I mean, w was it tough to you to watch Love Boat after that, or were you a fan of the show, or? No, uh, uh, Love Boat, I, I had just started watching it, and then I was really, uh, probably my second job. Because, uh, I mean, it went on to be such a hit. What, did you watch the show after Fred took over the role, or was it just too tough to watch knowing you could have had it? Choices to make, right? 
he'll never work in this town again. Oh, geez. That's the way it goes. And so, and they wound up rehiring the entire crew and staff. Nah, you know what? I have to say, there are other, I mean, of course, the money would have been great and right. the exposure. And I don't think it would have been good for but my the, marriage. No, nobody makes every decision right in Hollywood. You know, you make your good decisions, you make your bad ones, and you get by, right? Right, right. And I, again, it wasn't up to me, but there were other things that I almost got, wish I had gotten. Well, let's say here's a few that you did get, and I'm a comedian. I've done stand-up for ten years, so I mean, I chose the the comedian the comedians you've been a part of. But I'm gonna say a name and just real quick, nothing long, but just tell me what it was like working with them. Uh, Sherman he Sherman Hemsley of the Jeffersons. He seemed like a nice guy, whether it was on screen or off screen. He seemed like a genuine character. Yeah, yeah he hung around an interesting crowd. When I was finished, uh, I wanted to go to the dressing room and say goodbye and thanks. And I knocked on the door. It looked like a Marvin Gaye movie in there. It was dark and had all kinds of interesting, shady-looking characters walking around. And, really? You know, smoke and music. And, <laughs> uh, but you know what? When he had to be on the set for pickup shots, he was right there. He brought it, okay. And, uh, you know what? They were all total pros on that show because they'd been around for a long time, even before the Jeffersons. They were all Broadway stars and all New York actors. Oh, sure, yeah. But Archie Bunker, he was on and everything, yeah. Right, all right. Right. Let's go to uh, Harry Henderson from Night Court. What was he like working with? Oh, Harry Henderson? Yeah. Uh, Before uh, I knew John Larkett before. Oh, before you did the show? That was that was the first time uh, I had met him or worked with him. Uh, and most of the thing I had was with John uh, Larkett and Marcy Post. Uh, I don't know if you know the episode was John saved Marcy's life. Uh, she was choking and he gave her the Heimlich. Okay. And she said she would do anything to thank him, and of course there was only one thing he wanted to do. <laughs> you know what? You know what John wanted, right? Yeah, and she finally surrendered, and they go to a hotel. They're ready to go at it, and there's a knocking on the window, and there I am on the ledge. Uh, I was going to jump off uh, the ledge and kill myself, but instead I fucked up uh, his date with her, uh -huh. and uh, I was going to kill myself because. Of a 28-year-old virgin, and so John's character suggested that I should jump. You know? <laughs> he said, yes, he he, he that said, was his character, though, sure. Yeah, he said, "No, screw 
jump, go ahead, <laughs> you know. And so by the end of the scene, everyone's in the hotel room. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It I know Harry Henderson. He started out in stand-up comedy as a stand-up comic, also. Well, he was a, a stand-up comic magician. He was really right. a magician, uh, magic. But he's one of the first guys to like add comedy to it. Add comedy and magic uh, together, which became a big thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that was again. I I don't know. I love the work, and uh, I love depending on the people and so each time I work I just uh, relish it and just enjoy it you know I, I'm not there to look for egos or trouble or, right uh, so, so what about Bob Newhart from the Newhart show now were you on the early in the office days or when he when he owned the inn when he retired the Newhart show I was in the, uh, the uh, later one the Newhart show where he owned the uh, the inn in Vermont there yeah okay When you know you hit it, when they ask you to come back, you know you did your job well, right? Others didn't talk. It was only Larry who talked. Like, let's bring it up to something earlier today. Uh, Ed O'Neill from Married with Children. Uh, who didn't remember that one? But uh, what was that like yeah. for you? Uh, you know, there was so, uh, that also was towards the end, I think. There was always just a lot going on on that show. People coming and going and going and coming. And I just never knew exactly what was going on. Yeah, they had a big uh, cult following. Yeah. You know, I didn't get to like really talk to them much or hang out with them. They were just because they were at their peak and so it was just stuff going on all the time and so uh, but again you do your job and uh, they'll be nice to you you'll be happy and they'll be happy and uh, uh, you know if you come in there with an attitude or an ego you're not going to last you know, long right? Your own show, right right so, uh, so, so I mean was, you know, 
being, being a uh, you know a filling actor on those shows to uh, going where you were the star in such movies as Hollywood Nights and Up the Creek, what was it like being the main the main person as opposed to? It's a lot different being the lead man, though, than doing just a scene, right? Right, yeah. You're there for the whole shoot, pretty much. And, uh, and so we would shoot from 6 in the evening to 6 in the morning. And uh, there was a lot of booze and drugs going on. And so, you know, again... It's Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, and so we had to sort of uh, do what we could do ourselves. And we didn't get much help from the director and... It's amazing that anything cohesive even turned out. But uh, so yeah, it physically was tough because you get home at six and then you'd have to try and sleep half the day. And, but uh, it was fun, but it was difficult because nobody was keeping track of where we were shooting. You know, it was. Uh, it's a lot more work too. Oh, it is. Everybody sees the fun that goes into acting. They don't realize how much work goes behind it, though. That's right. Right, right. Which, um, which is what my which is what my father thought when I started working as an actor. He called me and he was going to send my two brothers out. Uh, he wanted me, my younger brothers to. He said, "Listen, if you could be on the television, imagine how terrific they would be." Oh, well, he thought anybody so, could do it, right? <laughs> Not that easy. Yeah, and they did, and they came out, and uh, it didn't work out for them. Right. You know, they they uh, my father. Uh, I was raised poor. My father became very successful. So my two younger brothers were raised uh, affluent. And uh, they, their mentality was entitlement. And they thought, well, uh, they were going to work for my father. He just put them in. So mm -hmm. they had the same mentality that uh, included my father. They can come out to L.A. and I can push them into movies and TV. Just push them in. You know? Right. It, it don't work, work like that. that. All right, um, so... Up the, creek, up the Creek was a lot of fun. You know, I, I, I have a good time. Uh, we were in Oregon for three months, and the first uh, two weeks, my team, which was Tim Matheson and Dan Monahan from Porky's and Stephen First from, uh, uh, from Animal House. You're working with all the legends. And, yeah, and Tim knew how to raft, of course, but I didn't, neither did Stephen, so they were going to teach us. And uh, I was scared to death. I mean, I was ready to quit, but they said, hey. So after I finally took that first rafting ride down the river, I loved it. And when they, and then when we got ready to shoot, our team was the first one up. They had four cameras set up along the river, and they were just going to film us rafting down the river. And we were so good and so slick. The director yelled, cut, and he came over to us. He said, what are you guys doing? He said, you're supposed to be the bad team, the terrible team. <laughs> you're doing too good, right? <laughs> yeah, he said, you look like an Olympic team coming down there. He said, be bad. So we did it again, and then we were, you know, like clacking uh, oars and waving oars in the air. That's what they were looking for, right? <laughs> that's what they wanted, and that's what they got. All right, so... so I got a... Uh, 
I got a sponsor here on uh, Funny Like a Callum podcast. I got to mention them real quick, but it's uh, G Vegas Buffalo Sauce for the sweet, spicy, savory taste at game time. There's only one G Vegas. So, you like buffalo wings, Sandy? Oh, yeah. I'm a big buffalo wing guy myself. So, if you got the call tomorrow, if they called you up and said, there's going to be a Spaceballs too, are you in or are you out? You, so you, you, but you know, I, I don't know if Mel will do it. Well, it's not your choice, but if you got the call, you'd be in? Because I don't know, are you retired now? Are you semi-retired? Or? No, no, not at all. You don't mind? You know, as you get a little older, uh, things tend to slow down because uh, some of the bigger names that wouldn't do the parts that I did will do them now because they're not getting as much as work. As much work, right? So you sort of get... You get dropped down on the food chain. Down the shuffle, right. So, well, I know later on in your career, uh, you and your wife Harriet, you wrote episodes for the Golden Girls, Perfect Strangers, Dear John, Harry and the Hendersons. So, what was it like for you to shift from and being in front of the camera to behind the camera? Uh, well, it, you know, uh, it, it, it is a much different thing, and uh, um, it was okay. It, again, it was another aspect of myself because. When you improvise, you sort of write, uh, you don't write it down, but it's coming from your head. And uh, uh, so the writing was, you know, I mean, the first writing job we had professional was the 100th episode of The Golden Girls. Wow. (laughs) There's something to live up to, right? (laughs) It's what? That's something to live up to, right? Gee, that's a lot of pressure, a 100th episode. Yeah. gets their idea in there, right? Right, but you know, it's still your script and your name is on it. Well, what one's more difficult, being an actor in front of the camera or being behind the camera and making sure everything goes right in writing? Well, I like uh, uh, the acting. Uh, For me, I like doing it. The writing is, honestly, especially we were freelance. Once you freelance uh, and you turn in the script, you come and you watch the show. Uh, That's it. You have really no input, you know, right. your last, the last of your input is when you turn in the script, and they uh, spend a week rewriting it, they, they rewrite while they're on the floor, shooting it, changing things, moving things around, but we had two very funny stories, and, you know, it was uh, for the first professional writing job, it was like a, a dream to sure. be there and hear them saying our word, and acting out uh, our stories and uh, uh, we were just thrilled you know we were thrilled so uh, yeah they were good stories and the two stories were one was uh, where they thought uh, Dorothy had been switched at birth with this Italian family and uh, Rose and uh, uh, I can't remember uh, the other one's name Rose and the Betty White Right? <laughs> yeah, especially at that age. So, uh, 
But it's good to stay connected to the business, whether you're writing or acting, or you're in the business, doing what you love, right? Absolutely, and we're doing writing for a hit show, so, uh, so all that stuff was good. Proud, yeah. Uh, you know. So I got one question for you, it's an off-the-wall question, but every time I googled you, uh, Sandy Helberg, uh, Simon Helberg would come up too, who's a uh, member of the Big Bang Theory. Is, is there any relation between you two, or is just a last name coincidence yeah. that you know of? Oh, he's your son? Yeah, he's our son. Oh, I had no idea. So your son is Simon Helberg on the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, he's our oldest son. Oh, I, I did not know that. Now I, Okay, so you're his dad. Okay, so what's it like having your son follow on in your tradition? Well, it was, uh, you know, uh, first we were surprised because he wanted to be a musician, an amazing musician. Really? Yeah. Did he ever ask you for advice or anything? Or? Well, yeah, at the beginning, you know, we hooked him up uh, with his first agents and whatever we could do, we did. And uh, he wanted to go to NYU. We sent him to NYU. And, uh, uh, so, you know, uh, sometimes it, it is a matter of luck. I did half a dozen pilots, including Wildboat and these other ones. And, now, now you'd probably never ask, but has he has he ever hinted around as maybe having you a guest on the Big Bang Theory? Well, I don't want the other guy who plays Leonard there. He he was on the Roseanne Bar show, and he brought a lot of his friends from the Roseanne show on. So. Oh, so the producer had more to do with it. Make those kind of decisions. He is one of the few shows where he doesn't have the actors direct. Sometimes they get into so many years. The actors act, the directors direct, and the writers write. And, uh, you know, look, you want success, but this is, like I said, this is hitting the lottery. It's the number one show on TV. You can't get any better than that, right? Yeah, and so I think this is the last season. And then, uh, you know, Yeah, well, where he goes from here, right? Well, let's leave it off on this, Sandy. I mean, I thank you for being on the show, but you're a veteran of the veteran actors. Uh, your resume is endless. Uh, if there were some young actors out there right now and they were listening to the podcast and they said, you know, Sandy, give us some advice, what advice would you have for the young actors coming up? Go. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> Shows, free shows, 
classes, workshops. You need to sort of you need to keep yourself active. And uh, then there's the other thing, which is luck. That's something you can't. That's control. a part of it, yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, when you do start to work, you better be prepared. You better uh, know what you're doing, otherwise that'll be the end of it. So uh, everyone has to show up to work ready and know what they're doing and know how to do it. Uh, uh, people don't want to pay for your uh, education on the set. Right. So don't get discouraged. So, don't give up and be ready. That's right. Don't give up. Be ready. Be good. Be the best you can. All right. Well, I'm ready for a lot more great guests like you on Funny Like a Clown podcast. Sandy, I thank you so much for being a guest, and great luck in the future, and thank you for all the acting and memories you've gave us. Well, thank you very much, and it was a lot of fun doing the show. All right. We'll catch up with you soon, Sandy. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Veteran actor right there, Sandy Helberg, and boy, the shows he was on, I'd love to be on one of those shows, and he had a resume like... Uh, crazy and apparently runs in the family because who knew who knew his son was simon helberg of the big bang theory now we know that a lot of talent in that family man good stuff all right until next time i bid you a farewell and uh i hope you tune us in again i'm dennis worth good night judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.